Hi, you're listening to the TL Podcast. My name is Thomas Lehuang, and I am interviewing someone who seems ordinary, but who is achieving extraordinary things. That is the quest of this interview. Well, I have to say that definitely Tamika has made my day. I've long thought of a business where culture was the main religion. That was the main drive of behavior in the business. But I have to say, sometimes you see these things and you think maybe it only happened in books. When you speak about having to go around the team and share gratitude, when you talk about taking the time to go for a walk with a team member and talk about things, these are real issues that happens every single day. But that quite often, as a business owner, we don't take the time, we don't make the time because it seems to be uh, not so important. It seems to be such a waste of time. And yet, that is what we need to be doing. The culture in the business, whether it is in sales or in property management, really comes from the top. You have to be a giver. And we can see from the way that Tamika is speaking, she gives constantly. For someone like her to go out with a brand new person rather than asking for a senior to do that, that's to really show the dedication and the love for your own business, where a lot of people would probably pass it down and ask maybe a senior to go out and teach a brand new person. First of all, it shows the new person that you are definitely proud of your business, that you have a standard, rather than passing the buck. Now, I have to say, this was not really a lesson on why this lady was the property manager of the year, even though I think that she's a pretty good operator. I think that this podcast was definitely a very good lesson in real leadership. The leadership is not just something you see in sales. It's not something that you see in politics, in government, or at the head of a country. If anything... Leadership is all about self. How do you drive yourself? Because how you drive yourself will permeate to the rest of your team, to the rest of your business. What is it that you do when nobody sees you? I feel definitely that this lady has got not only a very good business in her, in her hands, but that her people are probably very lucky to have her. I've been in businesses where leaders lied, backstabbed others, have got different plans, invited me to a dinner only to backstab me and do backdoor things. These are the things that really would be, in the eyes of their followers, something that would happen to them. And I will want to conclude it this way. In the end, they shall treat you the way they treat their worst enemy. And when you see a lady like Tameka treating her staff, that are wanting to move ahead. And uh, it's okay. I mean, everyone's got a, their personal agenda. If you want to leave and go and do other things, that's fantastic. And just be upfront about it. Go and tell the leader, like her staff has gone to her, telling her, this is what I'm thinking of doing. This, I've had enough. Then when you have gone out, go and make your plans. Because in the end, you have to live for the rest of your life with the actions that you have done. And then, therefore, you showing the right culture is important. In that respect, I truly believe that a great performing team is not about Tamika bringing culture to her office. It is about the responsibility and the self-accountability for every one of us to bring the best of our culture to the business place. And once again, I think it was a real privilege to have a talk with this young lady. I think she's got a great future ahead for sure. We've got a quite a few questions and I'm sure they're going to have a lot of questions, but we're going to go a little bit everywhere, right? To make this podcast not so much like longitudinal, where we start with where you're from and blah, 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 because I've been reading a little bit about you and I, I really like how, uh, how sometimes you... Uh, a bit sentimental, your father and his line be the best you can be that is really driving you. It's just, it's just your way of probably uh, paying your dues or recognizing your mentors because he's obviously one of your mentors as much as these uh, uh, people you work with and at LJ Hooker as well. 
but you obviously have something inside you that is very uh, grounded in values. So let's start with this here now. Uh, is it important, as you said, to have quality people in terms of character and value working for you? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's the biggest mantra of our business. We are a 100% quality over quantity, and that is in everything we do. So from the stock we manage, to the tradespeople we work with, to the, our, our staff. So we, we, we're not just about numbers anymore. I did my time being about numbers, and it wasn't a pleasant 10 years of my career. So, so now it's definitely quality over quantity. We can teach our staff everything they need to know, but we can't teach how to be a good person. And wow. same with our landlords and our tenants and our stock. You know, we, we want to do business with good people and we want to attract good people to our business. So it's, it's super important that if someone or something doesn't fit with, with that quality that we're after, we just don't do business with them. Okay, so what makes a good quality landlord? Uh, so good quality landlord is essentially just being a decent human being. Um, you know, people that are prepared to respect their tenant, um, have a slightly higher maintenance budget, forward plan for the future about what they're going to do with their property. And if there's things that need to be done prior to, to listing it, they get it done. Um, they're the qualities that we're looking for. Right. What what do you then say? To, because most landlords don't want to spend a dollar, uh, and most landlord would try to find out whether the the tenant can go on with that half broken oven for a little bit longer. So does it mean you will refuse someone like that? How do you recognize a landlord who's like that? Do you interview? Do you have a qualification form for those kind of landlords? Yeah, so essentially, as much as I'm being interviewed in an appraisal, I'm interviewing the owner just as much. Um, and in the almost five years of our business, we've turned away 83 landlords that we, <laughs> we, we don't want to do business with. So, you know, that, that's about $120,000 a year in revenue that we've turned away because they're not the right fit for our business. Um, so, yeah, as much as I'm being interviewed of what kind of property manager I am, what kind of business we have here, I'm doing exactly the same. And... You know, quite often the conversation has ended with, I don't think we're the right match. So, you know, here's some other people in Launceston to have a look at. Yeah. And then if we get asked why we're not the right match, obviously I'll go into it, you know, that if they're not prepared to spend on maintenance or um, if they're um, racist or very anti-tenant or anti-maintenance and upkeep and future-proofing their investment, we just don't want to do business with those kind of people. Okay. Well, so in terms of tenant, I understand you obviously have a huge questionnaire and you probably like uh, look at their referrals. What about staffing? Yeah, so staffing. So we're a bit of an interesting business model here. So with our staff, um, we recruit for culture, not for experience. So we, you'll see we never advertise looking for experience. We're never looking for experienced agents, property managers, admin. We're recruiting actually for a superstar. That's what we're looking for. And with our recruiting process, we, we put our, our superstar marketing out there and when the applications come in, the team actually goes through all the applications and they do their initial interviews and they shortlist to who they would actually like to work with. <laughs> um, then they get them in for a trial and they spend some time with them and what I want, I want them to present me the best for, so who they would comfortably work with. And then I complete the final interviews and, and pick the winning one or two or whatever it might be. Um, because it's so important to me that our culture remains excellent and then we don't have staff turnover and we don't have lost the property because people aren't happy. So it's just so important that our team picks who they want to work with. Okay, okay. So let's imagine a person is a BDM that brings in, let's say, 150 new uh, rentals a, a year. But uh, you've heard through the grapevine that, you know, because he's a, a bit of a, a, what is it, a go-getter kind of BDM, he's a bit of a bully and maybe culture is not so right. Do you make an exception? No. No. <laughs> not at all. Well, I've been approached by, by numerous high-performing agents within our marketplace um, and there, there's just not a position here for them, unfortunately. You know, it's not to say that in, in 10 years' time there, there might be, but 
we just won't compromise on what we offer. Um, and then, you know, I won't compromise our team. We have an amazing team and, and Shays have the, the privilege of meeting Zali. And, you know, I just don't want to compromise those amazing people by bringing in someone who's about them. Doesn't okay. Matter. Before Shay and, and Jason take over, because they're going to ask you probably questions in, in regards to property management itself. So what would be five qualities that you would want to see in someone to join you in property management? Yeah, so essentially I look for, they've got to be a happy person. That, that's a big thing for me. They've got to come in here with a big smile. Super important. You can't teach someone to smile. Yep. So I want to see um, a big smile. Um, how they hold themselves is really important to me. So confidence, um, being able to, to back themselves and present well, that's really important, that first impression. Yes. I, I want someone who wants to learn. So someone who, who aspires to have some form of career, whether it be property management or administration, you know, want them to have some kind of aspiration. Yep. I, I want them to be a learner. We're very big on training and learning within our office. So I want them to you know, be a bit of a human sponge is what I talk about and really want to learn. Um, and, you know, that just that, be a good person. So when we ask people what's important to them outside of work, you know, I want to hear things like family is important or my pets are important or looking after my home is important, something that shows who they actually are. Okay. So you said that four, okay, because you, you said learning twice. So That's a big thing, learning. <laughs> I, listen, I love learning. So you, you, you're, you're preaching to the converted. So what, but... I, I really, I'm starting to really know and understand why you're winning all these awards year in, year out. Okay, I'm, I'm getting it. So happy people was one, confidence was another one, learning was your third one, a good person was the last one. What is another one? Yeah, and people want to work in a team. So even though property management, you know, we run standalone property managers, we don't run in a team. We're one big team, so you have to be able to get along with other people. It's so important. Wow. Okay, here you go. Shay, Jason, let's go. Tamika, you mentioned that um, I, I spent some time with Zali during, during Transform, and she is absolutely incredible. Um, and she, I do believe she ticks all those boxes, but she did, um, I think that's a testament to yourself. I, yeah, she, she, well, you know, she came in at day one. As soon as we opened the business, she started with me and started as a PA and has, has now grown all the way through to being a, a senior property manager who now has her own PA. So yeah. that, that's that career, career growth that I want to see in staff when we're looking to employ that they don't, you know, they want to grow. Obviously, there's positions that need to stay as they are, but particularly property management, we want to see that growth. How do you promote that? Because um, in certain roles within property management, you, you do have several entry-level positions there. Um, and some of those juniors do see the stresses and anxieties that come along with being a portfolio manager. How do you overcome that block and help promote them to want that growth to a portfolio position? Yeah, so I think where we do do it quite differently um, it is really our quality over quantity so we run small small numbers so 85 properties per head our office works out at as of today um, we only work in good suburbs so again we're not an office that works in every suburb within our marketplace we really focus on six to eight high quality areas that will attract good return properties solid owners and you know fabulous tenants so i'm not not sending my staff out to areas that when i was learning to be a property manager i was terrified of um so we we just don't we don't work in those areas and whenever there's any sign of conflict you know also we're very different in that respect is is i work with the property manager on it and more often than not that i will take it on and solve any conflict and i'll just watch on from the side the last thing I hated as a property manager, getting torn apart over something that was not my problem, not my fault, but I had to fix it. So I don't ever want my staff to feel like that. I don't ever want them to walk out of the door at night going, oh, no, this is horrible and not wanting to come back tomorrow. So 
any sign of any kind of conflict in the office, I'm straight on to working with that property manager to resolve it. And, and they watch on and listen and learn how to do it. And you would have seen in Zali, you know, she's now really confident in dealing with little things that, you know, four years ago she definitely wasn't. So it's, it's, it's a teaching environment. And I, I think in today's day and age of property management, you have to have a hands-on director or property management department manager that actually has time free to do that because things go wrong even on good stuff like ours it happens we work with humans so you have to have someone that's really really available to deal with that kind of stuff not let your property managers get overwhelmed with the bad stuff and then they can't deal with the stuff when it comes to um and you talk a lot about obviously quality over quantity which other property managers and us ourselves here we understand that how do you portray that to the public to then generate business? Yep, so we market it a lot. Um, I talk about it a lot, so on all of our social platforms, in any print that goes out. We talk about it a lot, that not every client is a fit for our office. Um, not every property is a fit for our office. And that is why, you know, we are award winning, but it's also why if our landlords call, they get answered they're not waiting a week for someone to get back to them because the staff are overwhelmed. And, and we run at small numbers, but we charge a really premium fee here. We're the most expensive office in Launceston essentially for property management. So what is it? 10.5% management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't fall off your chair. Um, but, you know, that, that is why we, we do what we do. And then also, you know, by charging that premium fee, we're not attracting those clients either. You know, yes. those, those slum landlords that are just looking for dollar. You know, we don't work like that. But, but I know that there's a lot of people who won't believe you because I, a lot of them are into loading their property managers with 120 ahead minimum. A lot of them are about... Uh, I don't care whether you like it or not. That's the only position we have available. So you about arrears. And if you're going to have headaches with arrears, well, put up with this. Um, how, how do you explain it to those people? So that they see the benefit of going 85 per person? Uh, yeah. How do you explain to them so that they go 10.5% rather than whatever percentage seven that they're charging or less? Yeah, so essentially it, it's from personal experience. You know, I, I did 10, well, I did longer than 10 years. Um, working for an agency that was dollar driven and, and whilst you know I loved them and I learned everything from them it was it was a bad culture I mean, you know we had a rotating door of staff coming in and out then we had a rotating door of landlords coming in and out because giving a property manager a hundred plus properties it, it's it's not viable um, and dropping your management fees is not viable either so you know the sell to any normal person is you actually pay for what you get like it is actually that simple and if you want the consistency of staff you want the consistency of me working with you and good tenants then that's what you pay for so it's sort of a no-brainer when when you you think about it but you know if you're getting a six percent property manager that's going to be a property manager for five minutes because they're going to hate it and they're going to be gone or they're going to do a crap job or you're getting teams of two in our office, so myself and our senior property manager, and all these extra things, you know, for the sake of paying an extra $5 a week in real terms, why wouldn't you? A coffee. That's right. Exactly right. <laughs> so, Mika, you mentioned you've turned away 83 landlords in the last five years. Have you had any of those come back after a different experience? We have, so 37% of those have come back. So, and, and that's either having a bad experience with someone else or once they've done the shop around and realised what we're offering opposed to what others are offering, they do what we ask. Um, so, we, yeah, we have received quite a few of those back. And, you know, they're some of our best clients and some of our best referrers now because we, we set the rules from day one. That, that this is how we do business. So if you want to work with us, this is what has to happen. What's the comparison? Like when you're saying that you, you charge that 10%, I mean, what, what's your competition charging? Um, any, so about eight, 8.5, some are charging nine, 
So it's not a great deal difference. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple of percent. Our rents are on average about 18% higher within our office as well. So, you know, different forms of marketing we offer. We work our tenant database really, really well. And we've got a couple of big employers that we're their choice of agent because of the stock we offer. So our rents are predominantly slightly higher. And what are your average rents in the area? Our every rents in our office are 430 a week. Yeah, cool. Yeah, average rents are about three sixty across our marketplace, so we're a fair bit higher. Yeah, that's fine. You mentioned earlier that you're the busiest you've been in seventeen years. What's your days on market at the moment? Uh, so days on market, uh, forty eight hours essentially. If yeah. if that, yeah, just and and a lot of our stock's not even going to market at the moment. We're just sending it out to our tenant database and. All, all those pre-approved applicants that we've got, they're, they're taking stocks. So, yeah, 40% of our stocks not even hitting market. Yeah. Um, so this this plan on the way that you're running things, this has been from day one for yourself, yeah? From day one from running your own business? Um, yeah, from day one. So I, you know, like all property managers, I'd done my time in the hot seat. I'd started a reception, worked through property management, worked into BD, then worked into office manager. And I sort of looked at the accounts and thought, why the hell am I making all this money for someone else? <laughs> this is ridiculous. And, and why am I putting myself through this pain? Because I don't want to work in these areas. Um, so, you know, the, the decision was made to, to risk everything. And we had young, quite young children at that time to, to give it a crack myself. And, and I made those rules from day one. And I knew that it would be really hard going as an independent or a complete independent with no backing. Um, we, we all mortgaged our houses to to get up and running, essentially. And, um, you know, it was a big risk. But we list 36 properties in our first week of opening. So, you know, our reputation and what we were offering was so different to everybody else. You know, in the first four years, we'd list 447 properties for rent. So that, that is an amazing... Those? Sorry, sorry, mate. You go. So what, the, what are those things, I understand like for us, we understand, but what are those things that you offer different that an owner would say, oh, well, of course. Like I understand saying to an owner, well, it's, it's a less portfolio per person, whereas another competitor could be just starting out, so they only got 40 managements, so they're the same. What are those big key differences that make an owner say, well, of course I'm going to go with you? Yeah, so the, the biggest difference, and it's still today, is that that I own the business and I work actively in it. So I do not separate myself. I'm not just the director of the business. I'm, I'm actually a property manager within the business. So our owners have that peace of mind of consistency. So I, I know as a landlord myself, the, the turnover of property managers I've had over the years, over my different stock in different states, has been through the roof. Whereas here, I'm not going anywhere. You know, I own the business and I work in it. So that, you know, that consistency and feeling of being safe for our landlords is really important. Um, our guarantee that we're running small numbers is super important and that we train from the bottom up in, in our community. Our community love that, that mm -hmm. we, we are looking to promote from within. So, you know, we're bringing in entry-level staff and we're teaching them how to be amazing and promoting them through, that's been really appealing to our clients. Yeah. yeah. And, and certain suburbs, that was a real winner as well, that, you know, we weren't going to compromise the level of service we were offering because we're just focusing on these areas. Yeah, definitely. So running such numbers like 85, I listen to that and, you know, being honest, and I go, wow, 85 properties, if I rent a property manager for 85, obviously and we don't charge the fees you do, admittedly. Um, do you sort of have a budget that you work on as... Property manager needs to, I mean, well, X amount of properties needs to make me this much money after I pay a property manager. Do you have that figure in your head? I would imagine you do. You're pretty good. I can tell already that you're on the ball with all these percentages. Yeah. So with our portfolios, they have to run the 20, 26% profit. That That's really important that we are making 26% profit on each portfolio in the office. So that's everything out. So, you know, wages, vehicles, insurances, stationary rent like every single thing we want to make a 26% profit and if we're not doing that I want to know why we're not doing it are we not leasing stock quick enough have we got a heap of arrears a lease renewal is not happening you know 
what's going on and we, we analyse it and we're really open with our staff. That's another big thing within our culture. Our staff know our P&L. They know what we make. They, they know what, we, what we've got on the top. They, they know everything financially about what's happening in the business. It's really important, I believe, for culture. And, and again, that's from past experience. You know, I could see all of this money coming in from the, my previous employment and I knew what I was getting paid and I'm like, well, where's the rest? Like, you know, we're driving shit cars or we've got a crap office or whatever it might be. It's really important for our staff to know where things are at and, you know, when there is profit, we celebrate it. We have weekends away or we look to buy a new car or new equipment, whatever it might be. Yeah. You took the team away a couple of weekends ago? Yeah, so um, our whole team, we have we have a lot of team bonding activities. Um, every once a month we, we do something. It might be a board game night or a pizza night or whatever. Um, and then every quarter we try and do something completely separate away from the office. So we, we just went down the coast for a weekend and we work a lot with Connect Now. Um, the girls have worked really hard on it and banked $4,000 for the year. So that paid for the weekend away and essentially whatever they wanted so meals drinks accommodation everything was was all covered and i believe that's really important i don't want to overload them and, and get everyone you know bffs but i want them to be able to get along so that when things aren't going well it's highlighted really how many have you got in the team to make up so we've got six full-timers here in property management um, and then we've got a team of eight in sales and um, you were named Wellness Advocate of the Year with the yeah. REB this year. Yeah, look, that, that was amazing um, because that really just concretes that what we're doing about our culture um, and our office is, is working. You know, we, we offer PTs, we, we have fruit bowls, you know, everyone has lunch together and goes walking, um, we have weekends away, we have team bonding, you know, all sorts of things. You bring your pets to work day. We had the rescue lamb here yesterday. You know, we try and make it as as inclusive and fun as we can because property management, you know, can be pretty sucky. So we, we want to make sure that, that our team is is really happy. I would imagine that you'd have a lot of people wanting to join the team from uh, other offices when you see everything that you do. Yeah, it's it, it, yeah, we get a lot of resumes. <laughs> a lot. <laughs> Um, can I just go back in regards, I just wanted to ask a question about the interviewing process. I found it really interesting. You, So if you're looking for a, a, a property manager, am I right to say that you management team go through that first and then shortly for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. So we, we don't... Yeah, no, you're good now. We don't, um, we don't recruit property managers. We recruit, we recruit assistant property managers and we take them through a, a year-long training program before they're ready to move into property management. And then they'll start with a few properties and, and gradually over time, like what young Zali has, she's been here almost five years now, she's now a senior property manager. Um, and that only happened, you know, probably five, six months ago now. So I'm very conscious that I don't want my landlords talking to a new person until that new person has passed all of our training and essentially they get given my portfolio to start. You look after my properties and when I'm happy with you as a landlord, then you can start talking to my clients. So don't, I don't want the feedback from my clients ever that oh, we're talking to someone new and then they're gone or, or whatever it might be or we shuffle portfolios. You know, that consistency is really important. So. Um, they come in an intensive um, three months training program to start that no client facing. It's all learning, all of our systems, all of our procedures, everything in the back end. And then the next three months is starting with viewings. And then the next three months is working on conditional ports and bonds. And then their last three months is pretty hands on property management with my stuff. Yep. And then if we're all happy, then they get they're given their small portfolio, normally assisting someone. Awesome. And what sort of training do you do with the team? Um, so heaps of training. So I'm a licensed trainer for the Real Estate Institute of Tassie here. So um, they obviously go through the licensing course with the REIT. 
Um, and then we put them through the Cert 3 in property. Um, that's their first year, non-negotiable. We train every Thursday within our property management meetings. So I'll give everyone a task of finding something in some legislation and we'll work through that piece of legislation so that I'm really comfortable that they know the back end. Then this morning I've been out on the road doing condition reports with a couple of our younger staff. So I'll do a full condition report with them until I'm comfortable that they're doing it exactly how we want it. So I do a lot of hands-on training and then when travel permitting, we'll go to things like ARPM or um, Hayley Mitchell's conferences. So you always try and throw in one of those a year to take our team to. Yeah, so you take it all on board yourself, even with the condition reports and everything, you want to make sure that you're the person, not one of your senior managers doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Our senior managers do a lot with them, um, but they're not allowed to move on to the next task on their training plan until I'm comfortable. So they'll shadow the senior PMs um, and our office manager learning all that back end, but then they've got to get through me first before they're allowed to tick it off their training plan and move on. So, yeah, yeah, there's a lot of checks and balances to, to move along here. How did you go with the training process during COVID? Did you have the team working remotely? Yeah, so everyone worked remotely. We were remote for about nine weeks um, and our seniors at the moment are still working a bit of both um, because they've earned their stripes that they can do that now and I fully trust what they're doing and believe it or not, productivity was up 25% while we were in lockdown, which was amazing. Um, but what we did during COVID is we caught up every single day. So first half an hour of their morning, 9 to 9.30, um, the task was to do a mindfulness activity. So no phones, emails, you know, go for a walk, read a book, watch a movie, listen to a podcast, something to get you in a positive frame of mind for what is coming during the day. Um, and then 9.30 to 10.30, I met with the team like this every day and instead of holding a weekly meeting like we normally would, we were having a daily hour meeting so that we could be covering any extra things, any changes that the government were giving us um, and just, you know, really seeing each other to make sure that team morale kept going. We sent out little gifts to our teams, you know, meals, flowers, wine, dropped off little gifts at their doors just to make everyone feel like it was still really inclusive, even though we weren't here together. You mentioned productivity was up 25%. How do you gauge that? Um, so we gauge that on our arrears and our lease renewals, on all of our KPIs essentially. So because they weren't in here having a chat or weren't wasting time driving around really because we're quite a spread out demographic here, um, there was all that saved time. So by like almost three o'clock every day, I was getting a messaging going, my whole daily list is done today, this is ticked off, this is ticked off, this is ticked off, and I've got two and a half hours to go. I'm like, great, you know, go for a walk, answer your phone if it rings. Um, so that's how we gauged it, you know, KPIs were well in front of where they normally would be, and all the normal day-to-day -day stuff was finished by mid-afternoon. Jason and I were both in the audience when you spoke at ARPEN, in 2018 and I think you wowed everybody with where you're at with technology and virtual tours. Do you think that puts you in a good position for COVID this year? Oh, look, 100%. So essentially nothing changed for our business other than location. So we were set up with virtual tours. We were set up with um, all the tech, all the VR stuff. Um, everything is paperless here anyway. So other than not sitting in the office, there was zero interruption to property management here. It was pick up your computer and work from home. Um, we still leased all of our houses. Our days on market didn't change. Our rents didn't change. Everything was just smooth sailing. We worked with Inspect Real Estate to do virtual routine inspections. So, and that was super easy to implement because we had everything there ready to go. Um, so yeah, there was really no change to what was happening in here, which was great. And, and now that you guys are all in the office together, um, I assume, yeah, everyone's back. Yeah, in yeah pretty much, yeah. You guys, do you do like a morning muster every morning? And if so, um, what, do you, what do you guys usually go through? What do you talk about? Yeah, so we, we don't really do a morning meeting. Um, 
I, I found we, we used to do it and I found it to be a couple of things. Sometimes it could be negative if, if someone's properties wasn't leasing and others were. So, you know, it, shine, it put a negative spin to it some days. Mm-hmm. Um, also, making everyone come into the office first thing in the morning is actually real pain in the ass. I, I want, you know, when girls are doing routines, they leave from home. They, you know, they're not even allowed to come to the office on routine mornings. You go do your first routine because you come in, you're going to waste a heap of time. So it's not time productive to do that. We, what, what we do, so instead of doing that, we run a, a Voxer group, which is an app, and we're constantly updating each other all day. So if we're having viewings, everybody's hearing the feedback from the viewings. If leases are being signed, everybody's hearing that. So instead of physically getting everyone in here or, or doing a, a Zoom meeting first thing in the morning, it, it just it wasn't productive for us. So we run this Voxer group so that all day as things are happening, we're right across it. So anyone comes into the office to drop something off or yeah, someone leases a house, everybody in the team's hearing about it. So it keeps the productivity going but everybody's across everything that's happening. And does your team have, um, do you guys work, or do you allow your property managers to pretty much work freely through a day or do they have to follow a certain procedure through a day on the diary or, or how, does, how does your team work like that? Yeah, so our junior staff, absolutely. Um, they need to be really accountable for time because they're not, they just haven't been given free reign yet. I'm, I'm not satisfied that they're there. So they run by a pretty tight schedule and, and a day at least and I want to see what's happening and then they report to the seniors. So they're being, you know, helped and watched quite closely. Um, our seniors, however, I don't care what they're doing, essentially, as long as the job's being done. And I say that because I 100% trust them. I 100% know that they are doing it exactly the way I want it done. And they know how to prioritise, they know what needs to be done. And if they've got to work to seven o'clock to do it, they'll do it. But if the next day they're finished at three o'clock and they want to go to the gym or the hairdresser, then they go and do it. Yep. So it, it's earning it's earning that trust and respect once I'm 100% comfortable that they know what they're doing. Um, so yeah, our seniors, they really come and go as they please. They can work from wherever they want as long as the job is being done, the KPIs are being met. And that's what we look at on a Thursday at our, at our all-team meeting. We really dig into that kind of stuff. Is there a reason to do that on a Thursday out of all days? Yeah, so we, we used to do it on a Monday. You know, every, I think everybody does it on a Monday. We want to see what happened on the weekend and blah, blah, blah. It is such a terrible way to start your week. What I was finding, you know, if there's anything negative in that meeting or someone's had a bad weekend, that's drawn into the whole team and it just sets such a yuck tone for the week. Um, and, and that was having an impact on our culture. And when I really dug into why things were going a bit amiss in our culture, it, it all stems from the tone of this meeting on a Monday morning. So we decided as a team that Thursday would be a good day because Tuesday, Wednesdays are routine days here. Thursday is generally an all-in-office day for us and Friday is our big day. Like everyone moves in and everything happens ready for the weekend. So um, we chose Thursday collectively, the first two hours on a Thursday morning, and it works because if you've had a shitty weekend, you're over it. If, if something's gone wrong over the weekend, you've fixed it. And it's a really good opportunity, you know, what's happening for the weekend. That's when the exciting stuff's happening. All our tenants are moving in. We've, we've got all these success stories. So... When there is that negative stuff, it's so much easier to deal with when it's surrounded by positive stuff. So it, it, our culture and team meetings have been, you know, 100 times better since we moved them from Monday to Thursday. And would you mind sharing what you sort of, I mean, not now I'm sure it's probably detailed or may not be, but what you sort of go through in a team meeting? Yeah, so we have the agenda on the board in the property management office so everyone can see it. Um, so our, our opening in our meeting is, is grateful. We have everyone goes around the circle and they, they say what they're grateful for that week. Um, again, it just sets the tone for the meeting that, you know, you're grateful for the team or you're grateful for your husband or whatever it might be. Um, and so we, we go around and talk about what we're grateful for um, to start. Then we go through the board. So our vacant stock, we go through and even though we all know what's happening, we get an update. And, and we do that because on a Friday, I personally call all of our vacant owners just to give them a wrap-up, even though they've talked to our property managers. 
it's really important that they hear from me once a week. So it's a good opportunity for me as well to recap on what's happening so that I'm ready to talk to everyone the next day. We then talk about any applications. So there's no way an application can sit there and be unprocessed because I want to know about it every Thursday, part of our KPIs. We look at arrears, maintenance, leases. We go through all of that, what rent increases are coming in, who's in arrears, why, what's happening. Um, and then we talk about our, we have a Voxer group that's a meeting agenda. So if something goes wrong during the week and, and you know, it does, or if a problem arises or someone didn't know the answer to something, we're not allowed to talk about it at the time um, because I find it really distracting and people will dwell on it, you know, and then everyone gets involved in something that has nothing to do with them. So a problem or, or a mistake or whatever it might be goes into our Voxer agenda and then we talk about it on a Thursday. And again, that takes away the negative spin about, oh, someone made a mistake or something bad happened. We actually look at it on a Thursday collectively of how do we not make that happen again? How, how, do, how do we change a process or a procedure or what could we have done better or is it just what it was and, and there's nothing we can do about it? So we talk about all that on a Thursday. We go through one of our policies and procedures on a Thursday um, and the whole team go through it together and see if we want to change it or, or leave it. We all sign off. We go through the piece of legislation that I've tossed out to everyone during the week. I want them to come back to me with an answer. Um, and then we, we bust up from the meeting and off we go. Sounds like a good move. Um, yeah. Nice productive meeting. Yeah. With the... Um there's something that goes wrong or, or through the week to not talk about. Could you go into that a bit more detail? Like, what do you mean? Like, say, is it more uh, mistakes that the team makes that then, or is it, I had a landlord bring this up, because I would imagine you wouldn't want to leave that to a Thursday to have them on Friday. You'd want to bring no. that. Yeah, so how it works. Um, so, for example, um, an owner called me last week and said, she was moving back into property. She's like, oh, Tamika, this was missed on the bond inspection. I don't really care about it, but I thought I'd tell you. Okay, great, awesome. So I spoke to the property manager personally about that and said, how did this happen? How did we miss it? What happened to get the backstory? And I fixed it. But then it goes into our boxer group for us all to discuss of how did we miss that? Is everybody missing that? And if everybody's missing it, do we change the procedure? And everybody was missing it. And it was something that I hadn't thought about. It was quite a random thing. But then now that goes into our process of doing bond inspections that actually this needs to be checked. And if there is an issue, this needs to happen. Um, and, and also on the flip side of that, we decided that an owner doesn't get to come and get the keys and move in. We're going to meet them there and, and hand the property back over personally. So it's always refining our processes to avoid things going wrong. When things go wrong, you know, we deal with people, so yeah, it's we deal with the problem and we solve it at the time that it happens, but then we talk about it collectively as a team to make sure that it doesn't happen again. Do you find the team's fairly open with issues that way as well? Super, super, super open. And that's part of the culture. You know, I sit in the middle of the property management room, um, so I don't put myself in an office away from everyone else. It's a complete open door. And, and the big thing with us is, you know, we have a, no one's left standing alone. So if something is going on and they need help, everyone rallies around and helps them and, and fixes it. So it just means when something is looking like it's going to go wrong, it's brought straight to my attention. Like your Monday morning meeting that wasn't quite right for culture, have there been other lessons you've learned along the way or things that you tried and had to adjust? Yeah, look, we are forever changing our processes and ways we do things, you know, as the team become more skilled, um, they bring new ideas to the table all the time. You know, obviously I set the business up on what I knew, um, but as we're training and developing and learning new things and new pieces of tech, you know, we have to constantly change. And culture is a forever changing thing, you know, an office of all females, you know, there's days that it's can get a bit hairy in there, but we, we really have a rule of um, you have to be able to tell someone if they're being a bitch, essentially. So, for example, if I walk in and I, my kids have annoyed me, like my kids drive me mental in the morning, we're running around, not ready, and I'll walk in and I've done my stuff and the girls will go, I'm going to go for a walk? I'm like, yeah, that's a good idea. And so I'll go and do a lap around the park behind our office, I'll have five minutes to reset my mind and then we'll come back in. And 
everyone agreed together collectively that, that that's what we're going to do and that's okay. So if someone walks in after a crappy bond inspection or a bad routine, it's done clear your mind and then come back and let's talk about it. And, and that seems to have really eliminated all those little nitpicky things in our culture that could blow into something big that's completely unnecessary. I think there'll be a lot of business owners listening to this saying, okay, I need to get rid of all my property management staff, get rid of 400 property, 400 managements and start over again. Um, but, what, <laughs> but what's, what's sort of a, um, a bit of a tip or, I mean, if I was starting a business, I think this is definitely absolute gold because I'm just going to copy you. Um, but then coming in to a lot of owners that have six, seven, eight hundred, a thousand management, um, already have six, seven property managers, what would be some of the tips that you would say to them to do now? Because it's they're at a point now where they may not be able to just drop four or five hundred managements or get out of an area. What would you do? Yeah, so what I do, and I do it in our portfolio all the time too, because, you know, someone might start as being awesome, but they deteriorate over time. You know, it's, it's human nature. So I'm an ABC rule, and, and it applies to everything. It applies to our staff, it applies to our tenants, it applies to our properties, and it applies to our landlords. So our, our A people are awesome, you know, absolutely awesome. We need to look after them. They're looking after us. You know, they're gold. We want to hang on to them for dear life. Our B people are, they're brilliant, but they're not awesome. So they've got some work to do to get up into our awesome categories. So, you know, with our staff, it might be more training. With our tenants, we might need to sort out some rent with them or we might need to talk to them about a routine inspection, you know, help them with our expectations. Um, with landlords, same thing. It's about helping them with our expectations. So they're, you know, they're great clients, but they're not awesome clients. And we want to keep them. We want to get them into the awesome. Um, if they're a C client, they're a cut as far as I'm concerned. If someone gets into that C category, they're a cut. Because if they've got to be and I haven't been able to fix them or a property manager hasn't been able to fix it and get them back to an A and they get to a C, it's actually time that you part ways. Um, and I just recently had one, had a landlord here since inception, you know, great people, but they were really starting to leverage their relationship with me that because I'm big about building relationships with our clients, it's not just a transaction. They were really starting to leverage their relationship with me and, oh, we don't really want to do that or what do you, no, no let's not do that now. Let's look at it. Um, no, 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 that, that's not how it works here. If you don't want to toe the line, I suggest that either of us give each other notice and we part ways. And they were like, no, we don't want to do that. And I'm like, you know what? You don't want to do what we need you to do. You're therefore jeopardising your tenancy and your tenant and our office. Here's your 30 days. So we work really hard to keep our people in A's and B's. But once you're a C, there's the door. Sorry. <laughs> you're a cut. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The, the, the biggest thing is you are probably built this way. And, yeah. Yeah. and so where some own business owners are about the more properties I have, the bigger my superannuation fund, the more, and they don't understand, they actually loading them, their team up with a lot of issues. If you take on silly properties, meaning silly landlords, you actually loading up your team wrong. Then if you are taking uh, silly landlords, chances are you're going to take silly tenants on as well. That means you know, your team's loaded twice. Therefore, your team's going to be drained. So you're going to have to have probably more team members in the end to do this kind of job and a bigger revolving door. Absolutely. You know, it really comes back to that 80-20 rule that we all learned, you know. 20% of clients take all your time. Like, they're not the, that's not who you want. You want your 80%. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I look at it backwards. So, yeah, if, if they're not... If, and the same goes for staff. If they're not doing what they should be doing, then, you know, it's, it's a cut. But obviously, things get pretty bad before yeah. we get there. We work really hard to keep them in A's and B's. I'm listening to this, and I, uh, you know, what would stop competition from saying, whoa, it sounds to me like Tamika's staff are the ones that you want to pick uh, and pay them extra for them to join us <laughs> rather than really go back to square one and recruit. So yeah. you... Culture is something that is very costly, but it also be costly because 
competition sometimes get to through the human nature and call and appeal to their greed. How do you counter that? Yeah, look, we've had that happen. Um, our staff have been approached. Um, again, having that open door policy is really great because when it happens, they come and talk to us about it. And, you know, I have had conversations um, even with, with Zali before. She's like, I don't want to work here anymore. I'm like, okay, well, if you don't want to work here, let, let's figure out what you want to do next. Or if you do want to work here, let's figure out what we do to make it work for you. So, you know, being really open and honest is important. And it's not always about money. Um, and that's the thing, you know, the grass isn't always green on the other side. Yes, they might throw you $5,000 extra, but do you get all of these training opportunities? Do you get a great culture? Do you get a small portfolio? Do you get a car? Do you get a phone? Do you blah, 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 blah. The list goes on and on. Is that worth $5,000 essentially? Yeah. yeah. No, it's not. My, you know, my lifestyle, I want to knock off at three o'clock and go to the hairdresser if I can. Cool. So we, we don't really, yes, our staff get approached, but honestly, I'm not worried about them leaving. And if it gets to that point, and it will get to that point, I'm sure it's at some stage, we're still a new business. If it gets to that point, then I'll do everything I can to assist them in that transition over because, you know, I want to see our staff, whether it's with us or someone else, succeed. It's, it's their life. That is amazing. That is amazing. You should be you should be in sales, not in property management. What are you doing? No, no, no. Sales agents are criminals, I reckon. Can I just ask you? Are you the you obviously not the star that say that is about speak softly and, and walk with a stick? Uh, but I feel you you you're not interested in being liked by the staff. You're interested more in being respected because afterwards, if respect has been paid back, they're going to love you, not even like they're going to go beyond like, right? So. How do you instill that kind of don't stuff with me from day one without saying it? Yeah, so I, I, I really, I put it out there. I have a really firm but fair attitude. So I don't, I don't want any rubbish. We haven't got time for it. Um, you know, life is hard enough. Let's not create any more. Um, but I'm, I'm super fair. So if you want something or you want to go further in your career or you don't want to go further in your career, we'll make it happen. Um, but I just don't want any rubbish with it. So it's a really firm but fair. And, you know, my, my mantra is you're only competing with yourself. So we don't set our staff up to compete with anybody else in the office. It, it's a really toxic environment and it yeah. never ends well. They're just competing with themselves. So their KPIs are about their portfolio. And everyone's a slightly different. One, one set of KPIs does not fit a whole office. It, that's really unrealistic thinking because every portfolio is different. Every staff member's capacity is different. So you need to set KPIs that are actually individual portfolio based. Um, and and that's, where, that's where I believe that I earn the respect that, you know, I, I, I love that the girls love me, but if they didn't, that wouldn't upset me either. Yep. What would upset me is if they didn't, didn't respect me and that's when you would see things start to unravel in the office. So would you then say that you have awards for people doing better than what they used to or do, or do you do like many offices where they have awards against each other and the best is rewarded at the end of the month and it turns out that the best reward goes to always the same person month in, month out? Um, the reason that, that we enter the uh, enter awards within our office, so either the REIs or the REBs, it's actually to reflect on our last year and it's to continually grow. So I, I set myself a goal that I wanted to win that award and what did I need to do to get there? And then uh, it was a bit of a smart ass and I'm like, well, I want to win it. I want to back-to-back this. Like, what do I need to do that I didn't do last year to be better? So for me, you know, I think every property manager in Australia deserves that piece of glass because if you're doing this job, you're, you're amazing. But I look at it as a personal goal of how do I continue to push myself to be better? How do I be a better leader? How do I be a better property manager? How do I be a better person? How do I be a better mum? You know, all, all of those goal setting things go right through my whole life. Do you have time to be a mother as well? Because um, I'm listening to this. I'm thinking, I mean, when do you start and when you finish? When, how long is yeah. your day? Yeah, it's look, a normal day now. Essentially, when we started the business, I didn't see my kids much. But you know, I have a really fabulous husband and fabulous family that are really hands-on with our, our kids. 
But now that we're in the point that we are in our business and we have these phenomenal staff, my flexibility is heaps, heaps better now. Um, so, yeah, I do see my, my little peeps occasionally, which is good. <laughs> I mean, I know that in your spare time you, tr you work with uh, mental health. You also help with migrants, people who are in need of help. So I would say that those two types of activities reinforce even the, the, the need to serve people out there. Yeah, absolutely. Giving back to our community is really important to us. Um, we're we're a, a big population of, of refugees and migrants, so working with the Migrant Resource Centre is you know, really close to my heart. There's a lot of agencies that won't rent to the migrants and it really grinds my gears because they're, you know, they're people. Um, so Zali also volunteers down there now and, and works with the kids and, and teaching English and, and learning our ways. Um, and working with um, the Richmond Fellowship, which is part of Mental Health Taz, it's about rehoming people that have been in facilities back into our marketplace. So I help with facilitating leases and, and how do they work and how do conditional courts work and living standards and, and things like that to make our industry a better place, essentially. Yeah. Any other questions, Shay, Jason? Do you have one-on-ones with your team? Like, so do you do like, a, 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 where do you check your KPIs to do that just with your team on one-on-one? -on -one? Is it monthly? And then do you, how do you do that? Like, is it a very formal thing or do you go out for a lunch and talk about their goals? And that's where you sort of gather that information between the two of you? Yeah, so I, I conduct a formal one-on-one -on -one with our staff once a month. Um, and again, that's tailored to the individual. There, there is a, a template that is generic to the office, but then each person has a specific um, area that we work on. Um, so it is a formal hour-long meeting and it really drills into everything, you know, all of their KPIs, what was their win this month, what was their loss, what was hard, what was easy, what training do they need? And they every staff member must set four goals for the month that are SMART goals. So we look over the last month of have they achieved them? And if they haven't, that's fine. How do they achieve them this month? And then we either carry the goals across or we, we look at new goals that are generally quite specific to their KPIs or their career or what they want to do next. So pretty pretty intensive hour, hour long meetings and you know highlights things you know what can I be doing better as a director um, how's the office culture I want to know everything they would all talk to you very openly about things like that with the relationship that you have with your team yeah sometimes they're a little bit too open but <laughs> it's not a bad thing <laughs> And your KPIs, Tamika, they're setting consultation and different for each portfolio? Yeah, so again, it's, it's about being specific to each person. You know, Zali can manage differently to what Paige does, for example. So their KPIs are separate. Our office manager obviously has very different KPIs. So I look at each person's skills and experience and knowledge and where they're at within their career and then we set those KPIs around meeting my expectations within the business, but also meeting their individual experiences, really. You mentioned your senior property managers have PAs. Yep. Do they have a larger portfolio? Uh, so, no, we still run by the head. So what the assistants have come in to do, take a lot of the admin work off, off our office manager. So they'll do things like lettings, processing applications, getting tenant packs ready, doing the leases, sending that out. So it's taking a lot of that messy admin stuff away from the admin team and away from the senior property managers. And this is part of our training plan for these assistants to get to that senior point. They need to learn all that underlying messy stuff in property management and nail that before they can move on to the next stuff. And what's the career path then for your seniors? Where do they go next? So that's really up to them. So um, they've got to do a year being a senior. So um, Paige and Zali are in that at the moment. And um, what they can look at is doing a diploma in property management if they want to do that and, and become a fully licensed estate agent. They may just want to work in property management long term. They might want to move into a BDM role. Um, 
I'm, I'm a strong believer that you can't be a very good BDM if you haven't been an awesome property manager because how do you sell something that you haven't been able to do? So, um, you know, BDMing is the next path and, and I know, you know, young Zali, she, her career aspiration is to buy, with, buy into the business and, and become a director. So, you know, how do we facilitate that and how do we grow her to that, that path? So everyone's slightly different in, in what they want and how to get there. You got That's no great. choice but open the next office. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I I have to say I've been very happily surprised because Tamika, you're not just a property manager um, in in the terms of property management. I, I think that you're a beautiful leader who has really understood that whether it's property management or sales, it's all about people. And what we need to do is really to groom ourselves into being better. And you're doing a lot of things that probably a lot of uh, owners out there are thinking, well, it's a waste of time. What do you mean? Starting with gratitude before, around the group before train sales meeting. I mean, that before the meeting, that, that's a waste of time. Or walking around the park so that we can stab each other in the gut rather than in the back uh, and talk about things. I mean, that's a waste of time. Uh, 85, that's a waste of 30% of, of, uh, of the workload. But I think what you're doing is for the long range. You, you want people to be around you forever. They having, actually, I'm listening to this, they having a good life, the people who are working for you. I can see it, I can feel it. And where in a lot of offices, people who are in property management are considered or as a number. It means they have a, a use by date, if you will. I, I thank you so much for being here. I love COVID to finish because I'd really like to take uh, straight away a flight uh, to Launceston and, and find out a little bit more about you because I think you're a beautiful person. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Lots of fun. Thank you very much, Shay. Thank you very much, Jason, for your time Thanks too. So Thanks, Jamaica. Thanks, Jamaica. Thank to you see you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks, bye.